Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And I'm Matt. Welcome into today's podcast, everybody. Yes, sirree. And we have got what I think is going to be a really fun episode. When I pitched this idea back to you a couple weeks ago, Matt, you were like, ooh, I'm intrigued. And it's finally coming to fruition. Matt, why don't you tell them what we're doing today? So we are doing a a segment called Unpopular Opinions. And we want to describe it a little bit before we start, because what this isn't, it's not another convince me. So our goal here is not to share these opinions and try to convince the other person. Don't get me wrong, we're gonna give reasoning as to why we hold the opinion and me or Casey might ask some questions to help flesh that out. But more of what we were thinking about is what opinions about Disney stuff, movies, parks, and, and whatever, do we hold that maybe are against the grain of what most Disney fans would consider to be true. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, Diz nerds, Disney fans are lumped into to the same category and a lot of times are kind of under the pressure of what what is referred to as groupthink, that we're all Disney fans, so we all think the same way, right? When the reality is that's not the case. And and I would venture to guess if you examine your own opinions on the mouse and Disney and the way things are done sometimes, you might have some different beliefs than maybe what other Disney fans have. And so we're going to go through this episode. You might even go, oh my God, what are you thinking, Casey? Or, oh my goodness, are you serious, Matt? But that's okay. As a fandom base, that is what makes our base so, so amazing is that we're able to disagree on certain things, but come together collectively on the big stuff that Disney is magical, that Disney is a place for you to express yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what I would like everybody to do as we go through this, we're going to express ours. We each have three, one on movies, one on the parks, and then one random one. As we go through ours, you might start to think of ones that you have. And so that's what our social media is for, whether it's the Facebook group where we'll have a post up, we're kind of advertising this podcast, or you know, on Twitter or on Instagram, what are some of your unpopular opinions that you hold that maybe the Disney fandom would not agree with. And and so put those out there because we would like to read those and, and, and listen to those as well. So I hope everybody has a good understanding of how this is going to work. Matt, I'm going to go ahead and let you start us off, which wherever you want to go, movies, parks, random, which one do you want to start with? Let's start with the movies, and let's just do exactly the order that you said, movies, parks, and then our random. Let's end with well, our I, random. I, I, I'm going to do my random first, so I just I say, I'm going to okay. let you, you do your movie one first. Go ahead. My, my random one is the one that's probably the least fleshed out and more ranty than the other one, so I want to get that one out of the way because I want to <laughs> come back around and have a little bit more of a positive one at the end. So, But you can do whichever okay. one you want to do first. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with my movies one. So my unpopular opinion is that Moana is just okay. Cue the... <gasps> okay, go ahead. <laughs> it's, I do not think that Moana is a bad movie. Let me be very clear, it's not a bad movie. And when I initially saw it, I really, really liked it. But then the more that I saw it, I was more mum on it. And there's a couple reasons. One, I've talked about this a couple times on the show, and it's the Disney villains theory. 
And that is that in order to make a good Disney movie become a transcendent Disney movie, you need to have a compelling villain. And there's really not a compelling villain in Moana. It's this Teka who's this volcano person, but she's actually not Teka, and the villain is just massive volcano monster. I mean, you could argue that Tamatoa is a villain, but I, I don't see him as the main villain of the story. Like side, he's like a side villain. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, maybe another popular, unpopular opinion wrapped into this. He's the best character in that movie. I um, love Tamatoa so much. He's like one of my favorites. Yes, Tomato is fantastic. I can't, I'm too shiny. Watch me dazzle like a diamond in the rough. Strut my stuff, my stuff is so shiny. Send your armies, but they'll never be enough. My shell's too tough. And then there's some really, like, bad dialogue. And I, I don't want to go through, like, a bullet point list, but the one that gets me is when... Maui picks up Hey Hey the Chicken and like is autographing the oar and he's like, when you write with a bird, it's called tweeting. And <laughs> Yes, he does. I don't know. I like that line. I think it's hilarious. But I, but I think that's one of those lines that it's A, in 20 years, does Twitter exist? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, does anyone know does, does anyone get that joke? And so maybe that joke doesn't age well. And it's also like it's a dad joke. And I just, it, it just, it feels like someone had a great idea for a line that like a writer was like, oh, I got this great idea. It, 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 like writing with a bird is tweeting. Oh, zing. And they're like, oh, we got to fit that in there, everybody. And, and it just feels like they tried to shoehorn it in there. And so I feel like Moana is this, it's taken over where it's in a lot of merch, you know, at the Disney store, there's still a ton of Moana stuff. And um, the parks are getting a Moana experience. You now, Walt Disney World announced that that Epcot is getting a Moana water experience. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy those things. But I just feel like the movie is just okay. They didn't strike gold with it the way they struck gold with Frozen is more or less what you're saying. Yeah, but even yeah. I feel like. You know, you can not, I mean, Frozen is the ultimate strike gold. It's hard to, like, it's hard to compare everything to Frozen because like everything. gold right there. It's like oil. Yeah. They struck, yeah, the oil that never stops, never stops. <laughs> but I think it's held in this high regard that I, I just, I'm, I'm not quite on that holding it in high regard. Fair enough. That's fair. Moana, for me, it's, it's a decent movie. I've never held it to the highest esteem, but you're right. There are a lot of people out there who, you know, especially with kids who are in that age range right now when the movie came out, who just that movie's on playback consistently. So fair enough. I think that's a, I think that is a very fair, unpopular opinion. Okay. I'm going to go with my random one now first, because it's the most ranty of the three. And, and, And it goes into a couple of different directions. So here's my, here's my rant. High expectations of Disney are fine impossible expectations will only lead to a letdown. What I mean by that is people see Disney as this perfect, can do no wrong empire, if you will. Yet when something happens, when they, when Disney will inevitably fail to meet somebody's expectations that they have built up all along the way, 
Disney will inevitably let them down. You know, they're a company known for their characters, their storytelling, their family branded values. And moreover, at the parks, they're known for their customer service. In the stores, they're known for their amazing customer service. And, and they have over the years, over the decades, become a victim of their own high expectations to the point that people set impossible, impossible expectations. You know this from when you worked at the store. I know this from working at the store. And we both know this about how people treat their experiences when they go down to the parks. Now, that's not to say that Disney doesn't want to meet those expectations. They want to exceed people's expectations and more power to Disney. And they have, they are, are, 10 times better than most organizations out there. But what starts to happen is, is when people set these high expectations, they then start to get really grumpy when things don't go the way that they believe Disney should go. In other words, they feel they have ownership in the branding of Disney. And then when Disney decides to go a different direction, they get angry and they get hostile. A couple examples of this. Disney has always been on the forefront of acceptance and of, of, of being available to, to the masses in terms of uh, inclusion, right? Now, it, it, early on, that wasn't always the case. You know, there's a lot of stories out there about Walt being anti-Semitic, things like that. But the modern day Disney company, and I say modern dating back probably to the 80s and forward, has done a really good job about inclusion and diversity. In fact, they're even talk, they've been introducing a lot of LGBT characters into their storylines recently. Well, there's a lot of people calling out there for an LGBT prince or princess, yet there are people out there going, well, that's not what Disney wants. And Disney's, you know, Walt Disney's rolling in his grave. Well, guess what? He actually would be very happy that families of all stripes, families of all different types are enjoying his brand almost a hundred years later. And that entire trend continues into the parks too. They come to the parks with impossibly high expectations. It rained today. I want a refund. My kid wasn't picked to ride in the parade. I want a refund. I had to wait an hour to get on a ride. I want a refund. My kid slobbered all over this Mickey Mouse that I just bought. I want a new one, right? And the reality is Disney does an amazing job at meeting and exceeding those expectations on a case-by-case basis. But this is the part that I think everybody who's listening to this needs to hear. You are still responsible for you, for your safety, your security, your health and well-being. And you will have a much, 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 much better experience with the Walt Disney Company, however you choose to experience them. If you just lower your expectations, just a notch, I'm not saying you got to go in saying I'm going to have the worst customer service ever, but what you go into, you say, I'm going to go in realizing that the Walt Disney company for as amazing as it is for the amazing brand that it is, is still a company run by people and people will always have faults and people will always make mistakes. And if you go in with it, with that belief from the start, you will have a much better experience every time, I promise. I think this is where the internet has an adverse effect because, you know, back when 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 we were kids and the internet didn't exist, if you had one of those magical moments like like that a cast member went above and beyond for you, 
okay, you could tell it to your family or you could write a letter and send it snail mail um, and, and send it to someone. But now if something happens to me at the parks, I video it and I post it on my social media. It gets retweeted and shared and all this other stuff thousands and thousands of times. And now everyone, yeah, they notch up their expectations where, oh, if this happens, this is the norm. And that's just not true. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. The internet has, in fact, made it to where those best kept secrets have have then infiltrated and everybody thinks that that's what the expectation is. But again, just go into it with, I'm not saying lower them to like an impossibly low level, but these impossibly high levels of expectations that Disney can do no wrong, folks, they're an organization run by people and people are fallible. Right. I, 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 again, it's an unpopular opinion because there are so many Disney fans out there who literally think that they own a piece of that Disney brand and they don't. All right. Yeah. Your turn. All right. So with this segment, I tried, I think a lot of times we have unpopular opinions that are negative where it's like, oh, I, people love this movie and I, I don't. So I tried to think of things that are like, what is something that I love that, Maybe not everyone does. So this is my Parks one. The Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor is a must-see show for me at Walt Disney World. All right. Let's hear it. (laughs) And and, and again, this is not a Convince Me episode. I totally get why anyone would skip it. I I absolutely do. (laughs) Um, But for me, I have to see it every time. Um, It's great theming. Um, the, the theming of the space that you're in is really nice. It's got the big canisters. It's got funny posters. It's got um, this witty, again, like post movie where, you know, in the movie they change over at the end from scream to laughs. And so now they have to generate laughs. And like, it, it makes sense thematically in the context of the movie. And I just appreciate that. There's audience participation. You can text in a joke and it might get read. And that's just, I don't know, it's just fun. And then... It, for, for those of you that have not done this, it's a live comedy show that they've animated, that they're animating and, and doing real time. And they are savage with people. It's so, they, they like make fun of people and show them on the screen and also their stuff. And it, it's the, the times where I've done it, it's very funny. And I leave just, it's air conditioned. So you're inside out of the heat, you get a great laugh. The show is really fun. It's different every time because it's, it's, it's improv comedy. So it's not the same every time. And I enjoy that aspect of it as well. So yeah, I, I it's, agree. Anytime it's, it's that I'm show. there. I have to do it. And I, I guess the, the reason I like that's not popular is there's never a long wait for it. I can get a good seat and all the other stuff. So yeah, it's that, that's a must do for me. The only time that you, you, it's really, really, really popular is when it's raining outside and people are trying to get out of the rain or it's extraordinarily hot and everything else is booked. So people are looking for something to do, but I agree. It's a fun show. It's not a must do for me, but I definitely can see, you know, with your type of, you know, your personality, it's just one of those things. I think that it fits your personality so well. That's a good 20 minutes just to sit back and relax. I totally get it. I totally get yeah. it. Well, and, and monsters Inc also was, you know, I, I, that movie came out when I was 11 and I loved that movie. And so, right, I don't like, have I, the affinity for it. <laughs> yeah, I know there's some nostalgia there that's kicking in of like, oh, this is fun. So yeah, yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our partners. Hey, Beers and Airs listeners, Casey and Matt here. You've heard us talk about our partner, Riss and Cal. You know, we've touched on their wireless earbuds, which connect right to your smartphone. 
but they've also got a lot of other great stuff as well. I use their 4-in-1 charging station every day. It can charge my phone, a smartwatch that charges with a magnet, and even my earbuds. You can also check out their Bluetooth selfie stick, a 3-in-1 charger, and even a silicone accessory kit that comes in either black or white. Yeah, you know, this company checks the two boxes that I love in a product, which is great quality product without having to pay an arm and a leg. I've been playing around with the accessory kit. So this comes with uh, rubber things for the earbuds so they don't fall out of my ears and things to hold the earbuds so they stay in. I always have a terrible time with that and these uh, work like a charm. So go to fourfrills.com shop and use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S. You'll get 15% off your order, plus a free $10 gift of your choice when you spend $50 or more. And if you have trouble picking just one thing, they've even got a 31-piece bundle that includes everything. Don't forget that a portion of their profits will go to help local charities in need. All right, back to the show. I'm going to do my movie one now, and I can already hear the emails being typed and the tweets going, oh my goodness, Katesy. <laughs> I cannot stand the movie Lilo and Stitch. I cannot stand that movie. I do not understand the infatuation with Stitch. He's annoying. I can't stand his voice. I don't understand why so many people look at this not cute and cuddly thing and think that he's cute and cuddly. And I've tried. I have tried to understand the obsession. I have watched the movie three, four times. And for whatever reason, there is a mental block in my mind that does not allow me to appreciate Stitch for who Stitch is. I I think part of it has to do with when the movie came out. So the movie came out in 2002. I was just into college. I was not in high school. I was not in middle school. I was not that Disney age. I had a lot of other things going on in my life. And so I didn't focus in on Lilo and Stitch. I didn't focus on anything Disney for that matter. I mean, we already talked about how much the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, not really my thing. And that's a very similar time. I think it also suffers from the lack of a compelling villain too. You know, you talk about your villain theory. They're really isn't a major villain yeah there's the two guys again whose names i don't even remember because i don't care about the movie uh who are trying to catch stitch but they're not really villains like they're just they're trying to uh, catch this thing that is in their mind really really dangerous from hurting other people and it 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 just it falls flat for me every time and and i get it this is probably the biggest against the disney grain out there for most of our listeners because people love this character people love the theory of ohana not the theory but the tagline of ohana means family and family means nobody gets left behind and i love that i love the 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 arc there and i love you know the idea behind that i just i wish the movie wasn't as bad as the movie is (laughs) that make me a bad person more angry tweets and angry emails starting to come in, but I I'm 100% with you. That was almost my unpopular opinion. I, I, I I don't get it. I, I, and, and maybe we need to do a full Lilo and stitch episode where we bring on a, no, I'm I'm vetoing it. No, no, I don't want to do not torture me, please. (laughs) I I would love. Okay. So at least someone on, on our Facebook group, on Twitter, on Instagram, please, 
describe to us what is the draw of stitch because it, it, it's 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 missed on us mm-hmm. clearly it is it is I thought it was my age group. I thought it was just based on, you know, when the movie came out, I would have been, you know, 21-ish, I want to say, 20-ish. But again, you were younger than that. You were you were in your teens at that point. So, you know, it's clearly not the age thing. Okay, 12. There you go. So I just, to me, it's just, I don't know. It, it's just lost on me. It really is. It's just not, it is not something I, you know, we talk about movies that we'd be willing to watch over and over again. I skip by that one every time. And what's funny is Nate, my, my, my fiance, my partner, he loves stitch. He, he loves them. And I, I don't get it. I mean, power to him, more power to him than his favorite character. But, and again, in our top 10 Disney character episode, you know, a while back, I put stitch on the list because of how powerful he is to the Disney empire. But Whoa, he is just nowhere near my favorite. I don't want to make this our Lilo and Stitch episode, but I think what what gets me on that that movie that I, you know obviously suspension of disbelief is a big thing. It's the whole like they go to a dog pound and pick up Stitch and he's a dog and everyone just thinks he's a dog and I'm like, who thinks this is a dog? Yeah, yeah, I, it's clearly it, it, not. You know, and again, it's out of that era when Disney had some major flops. You know, and I was doing a little bit of research on this before we started. You know, it got rave reviews from the critics, and this goes back to an argument I've had for a while. The critics don't always get it right, but even the box office returns, you know, they were only it made about four hundred million, three hundred some million, which to me in two thousand and two, that's not really a lot of money on an eighty million dollar budget. I mean, yeah, it made back what three, maybe three and a half times what it used to make the movie, but I don't know. It just to me, it doesn't. See, it almost seems like it gained the following after the fact. Uh, it spawned a TV show too, so I know a lot yeah. of people watch the TV show. Yeah. All right, your turn, sir. Okay, this is my random one. The song Akuna Matata is by far the worst song from that movie and not as great of a song as you think it is. Oh my god, my heart. My heart. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. First of all, I timed it. 40 seconds of that song is about farts. It's a fart <laughs> joke for 40 seconds. And right. the song itself is like the whole scene is four minutes and most of that's not singing. Like there's the whole like Akuna Matata. Yeah, it's our motto. And like there's talking and then it's the whole like, look, this is where we live. And then they eat grub and all that other stuff. So a large portion of that song is a fart joke. Let me let me imagine for the next 40 seconds. I'm going to start the clock right now. So we're going to start right now and I'm going to talk. Imagine if I was doing a fart joke right now. Still talking about farts. Would you really like want to listen to that content for that long? It has only been 10 seconds and I don't want to talk about farts anymore. <laughs> and, 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 and this is not to say the characters of Timon and Pumbaa are fantastic. This is not a knock on them as characters at all. Um, I do not want that to be the thing. I love Timon and Pumbaa. They are awesome. But it, 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 that just, like, when, when, I, when I really thought about it, I was like, this is, this is just odd. And there's 40 seconds, just so you all know. That was 40 seconds. And I got down on it. Not in front of the kids. Oh, sorry. Um, And the second thing is, it's almost the anti-message that the film is trying to get through. 
So they're talking about, you know, Akuna Matata means no worries. You know, it solves all your problems. And 15 minutes later, Nala comes in and he's saying Akuna Matata. And she's like, that's ridiculous. You need to face your problems. And the whole crux of the movie, the climax of it and the turning point is him not just saying Akuna Matata, no worries, run from my past. It's moving forward and saying, no, I need to face my problems head on. So Akuna Matata becomes not what you want to get out of that movie. I just don't, I, I, I this was something that I, I later in life, I, I, I thought more about that song. I was just like, this song is just so out of place. Hmm. I think maybe it's there to, to show that it's okay to have a balance in life that yes, you have responsibilities but at certain times you've got to, you got to live and let live. You got to just kind of, sometimes you got to let go and let go of those responsibilities for a little bit, you know, which will ultimately then make you stronger and more rested to go back and take care of your responsibilities. But I never really realized that there was literally 40 seconds talking about farts that that's kind of funny that you timed that. That is really, really funny, but you're right. A lot of that, most of that song is, is talking and then there's a really long instrumental park where they're just literally bopping their heads back and forth there's actually not a lot of substance to the song when you really think about it but you know there's the the, the, the meaty part which everyone quotes but everything else around it you're right i can i can totally see yeah so i mean again i i realize it's an unpopular opinion and and you're not stupid for for liking akuna matata it's it's i i, I understand the purpose of it just my opinion is just this is also probably the most we will ever say fart on the show. <laughs> I think it's the first time we ever have. So we, we uh, are, are are pleasing the under 12 demographic male demographic right now who's listening to to our show. So those those of those boys who are 12 years old or younger, you're enjoying the heck out of the show right now. So <laughs> all right. One more to go. And that is my parks one. And this one is specifically geared to folks who are newbies who are going to Walt Disney World or folks who have kids and are going to Walt Disney World. This is not for experienced people. When I say experienced, I mean people who are able to go down to Walt Disney World at least one or more times a year. Not so much for you. The park hopper option is absolutely a waste of money for anyone who is new to Walt Disney World or if you've got kids, it is a waste of money. So to give you a little bit of kind of insight, the park hopper option allows you to go from one park to another park for kind of free for all throughout the day. It will cost you for a one day ticket, 65 ish dollars per ticket. And then that number goes up, but decreases per day. So once you get to four or more days, it's $90 per ticket. So for a family of four, that is $360 that you are spending that can be used on other things, things like souvenirs, things like food, things even like an experience, for example, maybe keys to the I kingdom mean, or the gorilla experience or whatever the case may be. I mean, just put into perspective, $360, uh, a Mickey mouse plush might cost you 30 bucks there. That, that is 12 Mickey mouse plushes or 12 plush stuffed animals that you could buy as souvenirs at Walt Disney world for the price that you pay for a park hopper. 
now. To reference right. our Tusker House episode, that pays for a Tusker House character dining experience. There you go. Perfect. In fact, it pays for it and then some, actually. You know, a Tusker House character dining experience is going to cost you about 200 bucks. You could get two of those in for what you're saving here. So that's actually a very good point. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, but Casey, I want the flexibility to go to another park. Oh, do you? Are you sure about that? Because Walt Disney World is 40 square miles. It is two times the square footage of Manhattan. It can take two full days to cover all the ground that you want to cover in the Magic Kingdom. And dare I even say, probably even three if you wanted to do things like Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom and do a lot of the other random stuff there, right? Two the full days. The monsters he lacked for uh, two full days for Epcot, two full days for Disney Hollywood Studios, and probably a day and a half or even two days for Animal Kingdom to hit everything that you possibly want to do. And so you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to go from this park to the next park, right? If you've got kids, you don't understand how much slower it's going to end up being with those kids. I've gone to the park with just adults. I've gone to the park with my niece and my nephew and the things that I wanted to get done with my niece and nephew in tow, God bless them. They were having an amazing time. We've slowed down to a third of the pace of what I would normally cover if I was there with just adults. So you're not going to get nearly as much done. And remember kids have got to take more Western breaks. They need a midday. They need to leave midday for, to go take a nap in most cases when they're out there in that heat, a lot of people don't realize that's a three-hour process, an hour to get back to your hotel in most cases, probably an hour to sleep, and another hour to get back to whatever park you want to get to, if you're lucky. And in most cases, there's still, still usually a midday meltdown or a late evening meltdown, right? So with kids, it makes no sense to go from one park to another because you're not even getting done what you want to get done in the one park. If you're a newbie, all of the different things that you want to get done. If you've never been, or you've only been once in your life, you are going to have more than enough to fill your agenda one park at a time. And again, if you're there for four days or longer, you yourself just saved yourself $90. You and your spouse, $180. You and your two kids, you've just saved yourself $360, which again, can absolutely measurably, measurably be used to do other things or buy other things. The last thing I'll say on this, park hopping is not easy. It is not easy. You've got to factor in your transportation time, first of all, to get out of the park, wait for a bus. Disney recommends that if you're going from one place to another on property to give yourself at least an hour, and it has taken longer in the past. And you've got to get back through security. And then usually when you get into the park, depending on the time of day, you've got to, you start all over. It's a whole, it's a whole new you got to reorient yourself. You got to go find the attraction or the show you're looking to get. You've got to wait in line. Sometimes that's halfway in the back of the park or all the way in the back of the park, right? And Disney doesn't necessarily make it easy to park hop. You can schedule three fast passes inside one park for the day. You cannot schedule any other fast passes anywhere else on property until those three are done. You're going to spend more time waiting. And again, referencing the Tusker House episode, Matt, you did a great job talking about this in the past, which is the less time you can can wait, the more you can cut down on your waiting, the more uh, and the better of an experience you're going to have. And, and again, the last thing I'll say here is Disney makes their money whether or not you use that park hopper or not. You buy that park hopper and you don't use it, they've made their money. They've made their 90 bucks per person. 
Yeah, I have never bought a park hopper ticket when like I, I for the exact reasons that you said. I don't want to reiterate those, but it's time, 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 time. I'll reiterate that time is money at the Disney parks. If you, if you, it, it is, it is money. You're spending money. And so you need to use your time wisely and park hopping takes a fair amount of time. You know, I would even argue that if you are an experienced park goer once a year, you may even want to consider whether or not you want to buy the park hopper ticket yourself too. I mean, if you go once a year, if you plan out, decently enough kind of what you want to do you have an idea of what the crowds are going to be like you don't need to say i'm going to go from this one to this one you might want that but honestly if you can get most of what you want to get accomplished simply by going to one park a day and saying all right this is gonna be my park chosen for the day i'm gonna go here i think there's a reason why there's a great value in what disney offers when they usually come out in the spring for that four-day magic your way ticket where you visit one park over four-day time no park hopping there's a great value there and a lot of people take that offer up yeah i i completely agree with you as we wrap up here Again, we're going to reiterate what we had from the beginning. We want to hear your unpopular opinions. And we ask that on our Facebook group, on Twitter, on Instagram, we you can gasp and you can go, oh my goodness, I that that's crazy. Uh, but we ask that uh, you know we respect people's unpopular opinions. Uh, but please share them with us. We're fascinated by these. I, I don't know about you, Casey, but going through these, it's like, Oh yeah, like I actually think the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor is an awesome attraction, and uh, that's probably not what most people think, and that's okay. So we absolutely want to hear these unpopular opinions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really excited to see, and and I think in some cases they may not be as unpopular as you think. I think that you know in a lot of ways th- this allows somebody to think about something a little bit different when it comes to Disney. And again, like I said at the beginning of the episode. You're classified as a Disney fan, a Disney nerd, if you will, as somebody who's a huge part of the fan base. We don't all have to agree on these things. We all come to Disney for different reasons, and it's exciting to hear those different reasons. You know, 15 years ago, I, you know, I was a somewhat of a Disney fan, but nowhere near the the, the fandom that I have now. So, all right, Matt, how do they get a hold of us? Email us, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. You can email us as well, your unpopular opinion. We'd love to hear from you. Facebook group, Beers and Ears Podcast, join on up. Twitter and Instagram, beersears1928. Tweet at us. Um, I want to give a shout out to um, Lindsay, who posted on Instagram that we uh, inspired her to watch Pinocchio for the first time. So that was awesome um, that that she watched Pinocchio for the first time after listening to that episode. So shout out to you, Lindsay. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you. I also want to give a shout out real quick before you continue to Scott, who sent me a a message. Um, uh, The podcast on Roger Rabbit got me to rewatch the movie last night. I saw it as a kid, didn't really get it and wrote it off as an adult. I enjoyed it. So thanks for reintroducing me to it. Also mind blown when I realized the tunnel to Toontown was the same tunnel as used in Back to the Future 2. Uh, and then he also says, I binged, binged a lot of podcasts while running, working these last couple of months. 
only one or two more and I'll be caught up. I've really enjoyed it. So Scott, thank you for listening. And I'm glad that the Roger Rabbit episode got you back into what is arguably my favorite Disney movie of all time. So that's awesome. Yeah, so thank you again. If you are listening, uh, whether you reach out to us personally or on our social media channels, we really love hearing from you all. It's 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 really fun to hear from from our, our, our family of listeners. So we encourage you, please, to take a couple of minutes to rate and review us. As Matt likes to say, five stars, five stars. Um, and if you do take the time to rate and review us, we'll, we'll read the review on the show. Um, and we've also got some new merch. Matt, do you want to talk about that for a second, the, the stuff that we're sending anybody who reviews us? So yeah, we, we picked up some stickers. We decided it was time for a little bit of merch. And so we've been handing them out to, to some of our, our close friends and family, as well as some of our past guests on the show. But we're also uh, want to, to give them out to people who are listening and rating and reviewing us. So if you leave us a review, we will read it on the show, but we will also send you a uh, Beers and Ears sticker. So if you have already left us a review and you would like one of those stickers, we'd like to get that out to you, shoot us an email, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. We'd love to get you some of our fantastic merch. Absolutely. This is just the start of things to come. All right. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. It is closing time, Matt. Let us raise our glasses this episode this show has been on us we want to say thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day everybody bye everybody